Well, come on in. Good morning. I invite you to take your bulletin if you've got one. Look with me where it says silent meditation. And it's a short one, so you'll miss it if you don't read along with me. It says, O come, everyone that thirsteth, O come to the waters, O come unto him, O hear, and your souls shall live forever. This is the invitation that we have from our God and our King, so I invite you to stand for our call to worship from Isaiah 61. And even though I'm reading, this is God calling us to worship through his word. It says, Come, let us rejoice in the Lord. Let us exult in the God of our salvation. For he has clothed us with garments of salvation. He has covered us with the robe of righteousness. And hopefully you got a bulletin as you were coming in. Uh, there will be an opportunity for you to follow along during the service. We don't uh, want you to go without participating and being a part here this morning. And so let me begin by just welcoming you if you're here visiting with us. Uh, we do want you to be a part. We'd also like to have a record of your visit, and you'll see a guest card there in the pew somewhere. If you're willing, you can fill that out and just either place it in the offering plate or put it on the table in the foyer, and we'll get that, and we'll have a record of your visit. We'd love to be able to minister to you and your family, whether you're here just visiting in the area or whether you're relocating or whether you're searching for a place for a home church. We'd love to be able to minister to you however it is that we can do that. Let me do just a few announcements. You'll see there before we spend some time in prayer together, you'll just flip over on the back. You'll see the announcements that are there. I'll let you read a lot of those. Let me remind you that we do have Sunday school and Bible study right after worship. Uh, it usually starts uh, within 20 minutes or so after we get out of uh, worship here. Um, but we do have the ladies' class, and we have two other adult classes and all the children's classes. I say thanks to everyone who's kind of helped fill in during the summer. Um, we are trying to put together everything for the fall. So if you're planning on teaching in the fall, especially those of you from youth on down, we may try to have a meeting here in a few weeks so that we can go over all the material, make sure we have everything to start the new year. Um, we're excited about that, and so we, we want everybody to fill in. If you want, want to be a part of the teaching ministries of our church, whether it's preschool or children, and it's not on Sunday morning, we also have the Sunday night ministry programs where it's from youth all the way down. We would love to be able to include our preschoolers this fall. Right now, we have children and youth and everybody on Sunday nights. It's more of a ministry program rather than Sunday school. Um, and so they have games, activities, Bible study and crafts, different things. But if you're interested in helping at all and would like to see the ministry expand down to our preschoolers so that many of our families who have preschool children can also be a part of it as well. Many times we have families that drop off children and then have to take others home with them. And so we thought what a blessing it would be to go ahead and share the gospel with every opportunity we have uh, with all ages. So please pray about that. And if you're interested, please let me know. Um, you, all, you will see there uh, the classes that are there, but also the memorial service up and coming. The men's fall books are in. If you haven't got one, men, we encourage you to come by. We're doing First Samuel. We will be starting the first Wednesday in uh, September, I believe it is, right after Labor Day. So if uh, you haven't got your book yet, please come and see us so that you'll have that. And then Nick wanted me to highlight next Sunday night, I believe it is, is that right? That the youth who went on their mission trip like last year are going to set up in the fellowship hall for their evening time and just have a, a share time and show the video and let people share what they learned and, and how uh, the Lord worked with them amongst 
their group on the mission trip, and they invite you to come and be a part of that in the fellowship hall if you would like to do that. And so finally, let me just say, the choir is up and running for fall, and so if you haven't been singing in the choir, shame on you. Um, we want you up here. We want you to be a part. There is a special time where they're going to do a cantata, um, some songs out of that. We're also doing the children up and coming this fall, so our goal is, uh, as last time in Easter, to have some songs for uh, the services around Christmas time and also uh, throughout the fall. So if you're interested at all, please let us know in the office or call Sarah or even Kirsten as they're doing children's stuff too. And we're going to try to get all that up and running this fall as well. So lots going on. We're excited. We've had a lot of new families. Here at the end of the month, someone asked me about it. We will introduce our new families to you like we did last time. Every person that joins our church um, well, answers the same five questions that we all answer together. It's only a formality. They actually join, but we've had, I think, 14 families over the last several months come to join with us. You've met some of them, uh, but we have several more that we'd like to introduce to you. And so the only way to do that is to let them come up on a Sunday morning. We ask the five questions, we pray for them, and then we welcome them as a body together. So we will do that as we get here to the end of summer and wrap up any others that are coming. So please pray for that process in the session as we listen to their testimonies and are excited about the new gifts that God is giving us to help us with our ministries here as well. But we do want to take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer. It's bathing in His Word and His Holy Spirit that helps us this morning. And you'll see a list of prayer requests there in the bulletin. And so uh, we encourage you to take those. We do know... Uh, that Donna Weber uh, did have her surgery and is back at home. And so we want to continue to remember her as well. She had gallbladder surgery. So I know it was on the prayer chain, but let's remember her this morning. And uh, any other special needs? I, I don't do it a lot, but let me just ask you here this morning, if you have a silent request um, as we minister, if you have a silent prayer request, I won't ask you, but just raise your hand for a moment. If there's anything in your heart or look at me, thank you. And I will remember those here this morning as well. God knows your heart, and we'll pray for those as well. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll lead us to the throne of grace, and then if you would, join me in the Lord's prayer. If you need that, it's printed inside the red hymnal cover. And uh, if you happen to pick up a red hymnal that doesn't have one, please set it aside and let us know, and we'll put the placard in there so in the future we won't run into that again. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for all your blessings here this morning, that as you call us into your presence, Lord, we can set aside all the hustle and bustle, the worries of the world. Lord, let us find our help here, our sanctity here. Lord, let us come for a few moments to be refreshed, to feed upon your word and the fellowship amongst the body. Lord, we have so many things that we are doing to try to minister to others that can be so program-oriented. And Lord, we don't want to be just programmatic. We want to be people-focused. We want to be interested in the kingdom. We want to minister to people where they need it. And so, Lord, we thank you for the many new families that you've given us with their gifts so that as you send us others or our community changes and new people move in, that, Lord, we're able to minister to them, that we have the gifts and the abilities to do so. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done in our lives. Lord, we do know... Uh, that when you bless us, it's not because we deserve it. When you grace us, it's not because we've earned it. When you've shown us mercy, it's not because we're better than any other. Lord, we realize that we come before the throne of grace 
like every other, needing to be covered in the bloodshed of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we come praying together as you taught us, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It is nice to come to that throne of grace before the one true God there is. Keep your bulletin open and your hymn book if you've got it there in front of you. We're going to begin this morning with the confession of our faith before we confess our sins together. And then we'll ask the ushers if they'll come and help us this morning. But let's begin confessing our faith together. We come before one true God and one true faith, and that's what binds the one true body of Christ. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And so we come together to confess on page 846, you will find what is known as the Nicene Creed, uh, actually originated in the Council of Nicaea different than the Apostles' Creed, which is just a summary. This was an actual writing of the Creed of the early church, the Council of Nicaea. So if I can ask you to recite it along with me, church, let me ask you here this morning, what is it that you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sin, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. For centuries, we recite together the one truth the church has come to agree with. We also agree that it is as the body that we can come together and confess our sins. Not that we take our shortcomings and confess them to one another, but with one another. That we're able to realize we all come to the throne of grace needing that grace and mercy in time of need. And so if you would, pray with me our corporate confession of sin. We've wrote it into the first person personal 
singular so that you can actually pray it for yourself and let it be a prayer for you. Pray with me. Father in heaven, have mercy upon me and show me your faithfulness. I need your abundant compassion. Lord God, I need you to blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly of my iniquity and purify me from my sin. Fashion a pure heart in me and create in me a steadfast spirit. Lord, do not cast me away from your presence. Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Let me again rejoice in your help as your Holy Spirit sustains me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And obviously throughout scriptures, the one place we find assurance, it won't always be found in the one we loved most here on earth. It won't always be the one that lasts beside us forever. And sometimes we misplace it in the people we trust here. Where we truly find assurance is in the scriptures where God promises we can be fed, we can be covered, and we can be cleansed. We can leave knowing we're forgiven. It says in Micah 7:18, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. My prayer is that you this morning will delight in that same love that he has for you. Let me lead us in prayer as the ushers come to take our offering. Heavenly Father, you have loved us through your son, Jesus Christ. You have cared for us through your creation. You provide for us through the work that we're able to do here. Lord, as you sustain us, help us to give back graciously to your kingdom. That we're able to give back just a portion of what it is that you've blessed us with. Lord, use it to further your kingdom the best that you see fit, according to your will. Lord, if it's through our church and missions, through service, through teaching, programs, or ministry, Lord, you help us to discern what it is you want us to do for your kingdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
stand with me as we sing the doxology together. If you need it, you'll see it on page 731. Thank you for that, for helping prepare our hearts and get us ready to listen to the importance of the sermon that the writer of Hebrews has for us. If you're visiting with us this morning or you've been out, we're now journeying through the end of chapter 5 in the book of Hebrews, where we have just finished learning all about this important understanding of the priesthood. And so you must understand that if you're picking up this morning in verse 11 of chapter 5, because you have to know what it is that he's talking about when he says about this. He is reminding the readers, or those that he is now speaking to back then, that he has just introduced the most important aspect of the whole letter, the whole sermon. He wants people to know that the most important thing in the Christian life is understanding the priesthood of Jesus Christ. You must understand how he fits prophet, priest, and king. You must understand how the sacrifice he provides covers you. You must understand how long that sacrifice lasts. You must understand how his priesthood supersedes that of Aaron's. You must understand that it is only through him and his mediation that you can come to be with the Father. All those things, and you say, well, wait, we haven't talked about all those things yet. And if you want to look ahead, you can go to chapter 7, and you can plan this, when you will see that he takes an entire chapter to talk about the priestly order of Melchizedek and where Christ is. But he's only introduced it now and let us understand the importance of it. And so he picks up this morning on something that we'd like to speak to you about. And, and maybe you'll understand it a little bit more as we go about time to grow up. It's time to get a grip. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's where some of us have to make a decision to go forward. It all picks up in this warning about falling away from where you are. Now, I will remind you this morning, I, I told Tim I would share last week, and I'll share with many of our families this morning, you are always invited to stay here and listen to me. I think it's the best place you could be on Sunday morning. But our, our team of technology, if I can call it that, has slowly put together many things for you, not just because of the pandemic, but for other reasons, different phases, different needs. We now have, as you know, a TV screen and sound in the foyer. So if you need to go to the foyer and sit for a few minutes and still watch and hear, you can. If you need to go to the nursery 
and you need to take your child to the nursery for a few moments or to stay there. There is a TV, sound, and everything live in the nursery. And for those of you who just want to cook pizza, drink coffee, and go downstairs, I'm just kidding. I see all of you hiding that coffee right now. We have also placed a TV downstairs in the fellowship hall that also is live and on stream in case you need room. For whatever reason, what we're trying to say is if you need to be out of the service, we still want you to know that you can see and hear and be a part of the service while it's taking place. And so please know if you need to leave, we have several different places that you can go and still be a part of the preaching and the service here, whether it's the singing and following along with your family. But here, as I begin to read in chapter 5, follow along with me. I'll read from the English Standard Version about how he's challenging us now to a point of stop being so childish. Here's what he says. About this, verse 11, again, the whole priesthood of Jesus, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. And it's mainly because, he says it this way, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, I thought about moving on and trying to do more, but that would take about another hour, and so I'm only going to give you one sermon this morning instead of two. So follow along with me. I want to speak to you a moment about the issues that we have here this morning. Write these down. Follow along with me. First and foremost, when it comes time to grow up, we're talking about the priesthood of Jesus. We do not expect every convert that comes to Christianity, every person in which the electing grace of God has touched, whose Holy Spirit has drawn them in to fully and completely understand all that Jesus has accomplished when you accept his lordship over your life. When you acknowledge what he's been accomplishing your entire days on earth. We don't expect you, even if you've been through some Bible training, to understand propitiation, expiation, and atonement. Those are words that even adults sometimes wrestle with and try to understand what they actually imply. I was teasing one time with some friends, as you've heard me say before. Not all of us understand the eschatological atonement and its implications of the future ecclesiastical positions for those of us who are dispensational. And some of you just said, who cares? <laughs> you see, we can throw the big fancy words out there and all the things that it's supposed to mean, but even I myself sometimes have to stop and go, what did they mean by that? We're not expecting you to just say, once you're saved, you have all the right answers. Please know up front what the writer of Hebrews is saying is there is so much about this life I have yet to tell you, and he will, but you need to understand first and foremost, when we're talking about growing up, it's because we're talking about spiritual discipleship 
and becoming more like Jesus Christ. If I were to stop the sermon now and invite you to respond, I would ask you and simply say this, how many of you this morning need to commit to being more like Jesus Christ? If you say, well, yeah, that's me, then I'm saying to you carefully, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Why is that? Well, all this priestly stuff is because we have someone who's been praying for you. If you want to flip back a few pages, go to the Gospel of Luke, and you will see a wonderful story where we get where Jesus is actually praying for us. What's the benefit of having a high priest, a great, great priest at the right hand of the Father up in the thrones of heaven? is because he's not just saying, hey, I died for you and I offered a sacrifice for you and one day I'll come back. You have to realize Jesus cares about you. He cares so much about you that in Luke chapter 22, we begin to see the story down in uh, verses 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, behold, he's talking about Peter. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Isn't that amazing? That when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. We have a high priest who is praying for us. If you can imagine the King of Kings and Lord of Lords the one and only, the begotten of God, who is word made flesh, who could accomplish anything at any time at the whims, could have beckoned the angels to come, tore down the cross, and accomplished everything he wanted in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And yet he says to me and to you, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Oh, I didn't jump in and stop him. I didn't tell him he couldn't try. I didn't tell him he doesn't have the right. I didn't beckon him back into his imprisoned darkness in the caves, to the pits in which he'll always reside. I simply said, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. He said the same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane as he went in the presence of the Father when he simply said, Father, I ask not that you take them out of the world, but that you what? Protect them. Jesus, your high priest, this morning, is praying for you, that you will grow up and do what he has done, to follow in his footsteps and accomplish the Father's will. But it's not just about that. Let me take you on the journey. It's about paying attention. Listen to this. It's hard for me to explain this in verse 11, because you have become dull of hearing. It is the actual word for nothros, if you want, in the Greek, you're following along. I love how they do this. Some of you might like this. Nothros is the word that we get when people talk about backsliding and not listening and not helping. But you know why they're not paying attention? The actual Greek word there means this. It's not because you can't hear. It's because you don't want to listen anymore. And the actual Greek word is actually translated in the synonym form of this word slothful so the next time you're not paying attention to me I'm going to say quit being what slothful 
Because we all understand what that means. It's another implication of saying, but you're lazy and you're slow and you're uninterested. The reason the people are not growing in their faith and their likeness of Jesus Christ is because they've become dull of listening. They're uninterested anymore. You know, I came to church. I got saved. I get it. I said the prayer. I said what I was supposed to do. I go to Sunday school. I tithe my stuff. Quit bothering me. I've done what Christians do. I've had enough. You're uninterested in the growth that comes along in the Christian faith. So here's what he tells us. It picks up in verse 12 and 13. Don't separate them. Listen to how the saying goes together. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. And he says this, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness because he's a what? A child. When we're talking about growing up, it's about understanding the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And it's understanding about how important it is to pay attention to the things that matter most. Why? Because he reckons you like a preschooler. Write that down. I'm like a preschooler. You're going to ask why I use that term. He uses the word child. That's not the Greek word technon or technos for child. There's a word that has been put together here that is very amazing. It's the word for nereos. It's two actual words put together in the Greek. Ne means not, and the rest of the word means speaking. He looks at you and he says, let me tell you how old you are. You're old that you're not able to what? Speak. So you're at that point in life as a preschooler where you're probably growing around, learning a few words, trying to get things together. But we're not talking about just someone who's in the second grade who doesn't have their grammar skills mastered yet. We're talking about young children who still haven't put it together and unable to speak sentences and structures to communicate. The writer of Hebrews is looking at you and he's saying, for those of you who are unwilling to pay attention and you're slothful, you're acting like preschoolers. That's how little you're acting. That's why later he can talk about maturity and growing up. Because when you're a preschool, you need things. Listen to what you need. He says it in verse 12. You need someone again to take you back to the principles, the basics. Isn't it amazing that there's some of us here in this room today and in all of our churches that are still wrestling over the basics when it comes to the Christian life? I would consider this a basic. Well, what happens when you lose your salvation? I, I would shake my head and think, wait a minute, why are you talking about losing your salvation? We shouldn't be talking about that. Why? Because we don't think the Bible teaches what? That we can lose our salvation. Well, that's a basic principle. If you're going to get saved and Jesus died for you and he gives you everlasting life, we've said this pretty basic. How long is that? Forever. Folks, those are basic principles. Those are something we don't need to be hashing out all the time. When we talk about Jesus who's come in the flesh, those are things we don't need to be wrestling with. We understand that he was born of a virgin, that he was the word of God. He was made flesh. He walked amongst us. We don't need to be wrestling with whether or not the virgin birth is true. Miracles are real. God's providential care is active. Those are basics. What we want to talk about is, what are you doing for the Lord right now? How are you healing relationships? How are you helping people bond with their children? 
How are you helping them care for their adult children? How are you helping them now in the church to disciple others? How are we training people to be? See, those are the issues we really need help with. Everybody wants to say, okay, I'm saved, I'm safe, I'll just sit in the pew. But when it comes to maturity, folks, not my words. Please don't get mad at me. It's the writer of Hebrews that simply says, you're still a non-speaking child. And we still need to go back to the basic principles that simply say this. Jesus made it clear. You cannot be my disciple if you don't love me. You cannot be my disciple if you don't obey me. You must follow me, pick up your cross daily, and let's go. He even got to the point where he started saying, if you can't leave, now I'm not saying this to get up and go, understand the context for those with the dead burying their dead and the people who are involved in the world. It even got so strict that he was saying, only the mature people will understand. You've got to leave your father, mother, sister, brother. If it's more important for you to have the things of this world and the things that are making you happy here, you can't come follow me. You have to make a choice. You cannot stay in a career that is forcing you to make ungodly, sinful decisions. You can't say you follow Christ and follow the world. You can't say that you're a Christian and continue to live in sin. Wow. These are the issues that he's talking about. We've got to go back to the basics. And now everyone goes, well, yeah, we get that. We get that. But the problem with the writer to the Hebrews is he's writing to those who have become so slothful that they're going backward in their Christian life. That's why they call it backsliding. Folks, isn't it amazing that we have to talk about backsliding Christians when it comes to the church? That's one of those oxymoron statements, and I used to say this gently when I was in the military. Be careful. Years ago, we used to say military intelligence doesn't go together. I was one of those. The hurry up and wait type thing, right? This doesn't make sense. Well, we just do it that way. Folks, we're getting to a point in life where we realize now as preschoolers, we need the principles when really we should be moving on. We should be helping people actually make a difference in their lives. Oh, I love to hear evangelistic preaching. I really do. Sometimes it's fun to listen to these guys that are really good at it. I remember the first one of the evangelistic sermons I heard in North Carolina when a guy was talking about just get out of the boat. Man, I was ready to get out of that church, get out of that town, get out of the country. I was ready to go wherever. I was going to save the world. I was on fire and just get out of the way. I remember those, but I will tell you the truth. I also sat with a fellow pastor friend for a couple of years where every sermon was about getting out of the boat. And some of our people started saying things, I'm paraphrasing, okay, I'm out of the boat, I'm in the midst of the water, and I'm drowning. Okay, I don't know where my kids are, they're either at the bottom of the ocean or on the shore, I need help finding them. I'm not sure how much longer I can tread this. I get it. I made the move. But now I need help growing up and making it. Let me ask you where you are this morning. I'm going to pick on a study which I support tremendously. So please listen carefully. I was enjoying the men's group when once again we have had multiple testimonies of the benefit of the Bible study fellowship. 
multiple testimonies of the benefit of Bible study fellowship. When the comments have constantly been shared, and I liked how they phrased it, that when you finally, men, I'm talking about only the men, women, I apologize. Most of our men don't go to your studies. And we already know how you're supposed to live, so we're not worried about that. No, the truth of it is they would share the studies and they would say this. Men, when you reach the end of the term and you've done all the classes, and I liked how it was phrased, the encouragement then is to take what you've learned and take it back to your what? To your church. All right, now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, men. But how many men have been in the BSF and are not leading studies here? Do we need to go back to the basic principles? Are we truly discipling? Is the church a part of it? Oh, we've got to ask those hard questions because I'm sure there were many of those children, the Israelites, they were meeting in their home groups, meeting in their fellowship groups, having a good time together as Christians, inviting someone once in a while, but always keeping it at the basics. When do we talk about the meat of the church? The need to address sin, to talk about judgment, to know that there's coming a day we're going to be face-to-face -face with Christ. The real issues that separate friends from one another and families from one another. These are the issues that only mature adults can handle. Or do you still treat your children like preschoolers? See, here's where all of a sudden he says this. It's about the priesthood we're talking about. We don't need to not pay attention to these things. And we're not preschoolers. Why? We've got the basic principles. It's cute when babies do crazy things. Babies can get away with almost anything. Boy, they can knock over things, do things. They can glass of water, pop all over the furniture. Oh, that was so cute. Do you see the bubbles coming up? Have one of the older children do it, and what happens? better pack your bags. I better meet you at the door because we are a brand. It changes when you grow up. It's cute when you're a child to pick up that one little baby and have them slobber all over you. And in the South, they would say it this way. Oh, give me some more of that sugar. And the drool would just be coming all over the place. I haven't seen too many te teenagers come up the stairs drooling all over the place and people going, oh, give me some of that sugar. Give me some of that sugar. Just doesn't seem right. Someone in the restaurant, I could tell you about the high schoolers when they're sleeping in class and when they wake up, they got a nice rainbow from their mouth to their table. And the teacher doesn't say, give me some of that sugar. It changes when we grow up. Sometimes I think we're still looking like the writer of Hebrews is saying, we're treating each other like preschoolers. We're walking on eggshells. We don't want to make anyone mad. We don't want to confront them. We don't want to talk about the hard things. We don't want to try the new things. And here's why. Listen to what he tells us. Verse 13. It's because those of us who are still living on milk are unskilled. If you want me to put it in the words of our sermon, it's because it's unproven. That's the word that we get there. To be unskilled. It's that same word that we get that is unproven, untasked. You haven't done it before. 
You don't have the skills. Let me give you a good analogy about what's unproven. Women, you could pick a better one. Hand a girl a needle and a thread and a bunch of string, cloth, yarn, and say, make me a blanket. Put them in the kitchen with your fine china and say, it's time for you to learn how to do the dishes. Gentlemen, hand your children the circular saw and say, go learn how to cut straight. Right? And for some of us, just watch a child try to use a drill. Not drilling a hole, but trying to use the drill to screw in a screw when they've never done it before. That's the understanding. It's not horrible. It's just you're unproven. You've never done this. You're unable to keep going. It's frustrating. It's not going like it should. Things are going to get broken. People are going to get upset. He's writing to us clearly to say as Christians, the problem we have with being preschoolers is we're back to the basics because we've never had them, and we're not handling situations very well because we're unproven. We're unskilled. We've been Christians for 25 years, but we've never counseled with anybody. We've never solved one argument because every time we get in a disagreement, we just leave. Time will cure everything. We've never had to work together as a team because anything we do, we just do it by ourselves. It's easier for me to do it by myself than it is to what? Work with someone else. Because then we have to train them, teach them, and take the time to help them. If I could go back to my BSFers, it almost sounds like best friends forever. If you ever know those BFFers, I love you and I mean it. But if you spent seven years faithfully learning the Bible, do we not have the time now to take a few by our side and teach them the same things? That they too could have the blessings that you have? Or are we going to leave them as preschoolers in the church and outside the church be adults? It's amazing when the writer finally says everyone who is a preschooler needs the principles again and they're unproven. Here's what they really mean. We just don't know what to expect. If you're unskilled and you were to use it in Paul's terminology of being unproven, it's because you're about to run a race that you've never raced before. You're about to start a marathon. And you've never ran more than two miles in your life. You're unproven. Doesn't mean you can't do it. I can't promise you won't make it. But I bet there's going to be thousands of people watching how you do it. Because this is going to be an exciting adventure. And that's exactly what happens when Paul challenges us to run a race. And to run it with the one who has already done it. And who has already finished. And can take you along the way 
and even carry you at times to the finish. Because you have a high priest. One who is praying for you. One who's not treating you like a preschooler. Who's moving beyond the principles of life. Showing you what it means to be proven. And how does that happen? Look at the next verses. They're important. It says this. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness as a child. But look at 14. But solid food is for the mature. Just, just write this word in because we're doing it. It's not for the unproven. It's for the professional. Well, these professionals aren't the ones that have all the answers. Professionals are the ones that have a lot of answers. Professionals are the ones that have been through it. They're the ones that are still going through it. They're the ones that are being trained on it. They're the ones that aren't afraid of it. It's the professionals that are putting the time into it. If I asked you how many of you are a professional in your career... And you've done it without spending any extra time out of college. You haven't spent any extra time outside of 40 hours a week. And you've become a professional at what you do. Yet for Christ, we can't even get people outside Sunday mornings to try to grow. Wow, the writer hits us. It's for the professionals. The teleon, that's the word. Those of you with your Greek readings there aside, you, it's teleos, teleon. It's the word that we get for perfect or complete. That's the word for mature. And why he's using that word there is because we're either going to be like a child who's unable to speak, unable to accomplish things, or we're going to be like the one who is perfect and mature in Christ. It's all about the priesthood. Where are you in Christ? Are you a child or are you perfected? Paul even says it in Philippians when he says this. He says, not that I have already perfected it. Do you remember that? Philippians chapter 3. But I press on to what? This higher calling. I've got to keep growing. I've got to become one just like Jesus. If we could pick the professional Christian discipler, who would you pick? Oh, you might say, well, I would pick Jesus. I wouldn't. Because if you ask me to be like Jesus, I would tell you up front, that's not going to happen. Just can't be perfect. I've tried. I get frustrated. Sometimes he handled people in ways that I think I could have given him some advice. But I'm realizing very quickly, Peter would be mature. James and John would be mature. Bartholomew. You see, mature doesn't mean that we've already got there. We're Tontelios. We're headed for the end goal. What was the point of acknowledging Jesus as the Lord of your life? To just remain a baby Christian? Or to reach the end goal? To be more and more perfect? The Bible would call it holiness. Do the things that others can't. Why do we need to be professional? Listen to the words that he gives us, not mine. The mature, they're for those who have powers of discernment. That's what you need to realize. The professionals have discernment. 
They've been there. They've done that. They've worked through it. I think of all of you professionals, those of you who are doctors and lawyers and dentists and all these other people. Man, you've seen it all, have you not? I was teasing the dentist one time and I went to get my teeth cleaned. They were like, I said, I bet you it's a mess sometimes. He said, no, I think I've just about seen it all. I said, really? And here's what he said to me. Well, most people only have the same number of teeth. So only so many things can go bad. And I remember thinking to myself, you haven't seen mine. <laughs> no, that's not true, but they're professionals. We don't expect the dentist to be perfect. We don't expect the doctor to have every answer or the surgeon to perform every. But what we do expect is that they know what they're talking about. Do you see the difference between the preschooler is they were unable to communicate. When you become mature in Christ, you're able to communicate the priesthood. Here we don't quite understand the priesthood. Here we should be speaking about the priesthood. We should be telling people about the coverings that they have for their sin, about the sacrifice that was made for them, about the decisions that they have to make, about the choices they're going to have to turn from. Do you see, we should be talking about the mature things, about judgment day, about the importance of covenants and faithfulness. Over here we couldn't speak about them, and it was cute. It's not so cute when you put the two side by side and say to yourself, when my three-year-old can't remember where they put my car keys, oh, honey, did you drive my car? It's so cute. We'll find them. But when my 83-year-old mother says, I don't know where I put the car keys. Now it's not so cute. I don't quite remember how many children I had. I'm not quite sure what's going on today. There's a serious problem when we're dealing with adults that should be mature. And yet we have to treat them like what? I would say many times it's actually sad. And it takes a lot more work. And yet we have a high priest who's praying for us. Because we have a lot of professionals who've been there. We have a lot within the body of Christ who've already had to do that. Who've already been places I've never been. As your pastor, I want to lead you. I want to teach you. But I want to thank you for helping me. For teaching me. For helping train me. In the areas I'm not professional. You see, it works together. The writer of Hebrews says, we're talking about the priesthood. We've got to pay attention. There's no room for preschoolers the whole time. We don't need to be on the basic principles. We need to be talking about that which is proven and true. We need professionals. And here's how you become that. Listen to what it says, verse 14. It's because this discernment comes from constant practice. I couldn't help but to think in my sermon prep about Dr. Woody Waddell. I think he's here this morning somewhere. 
if I could just go get him, I would. And I'm not talking about him in a bad way, but it just got into my mind about practice. You see, I could fluff a sermon or two. I could get so busy during the week, I promise you, very seldom. My family would tell you, does it happen? I take it serious. I love to study. But there are times that if I had to, I could just get up here and talk, and I might be able to fluff a few of you. I've seen people do it all the time. Sunday school teachers, you're good at it. You forgot to prep your lesson. You forgot to bring your book. Nobody knows what you're talking about anyway, and so you wing it. Sad part of it is people tell you, that's the best lesson we ever had. <laughs> but I think about practice. If Dr. Woody Waddell came to me and said, Jerry, I want to do a reconstruction of your jaw. Okay, what's the point? Well, Jerry, I've never done one before. And I have something I'd like to try. I think you need to go to Woody instead of me. <laughs> Folks, it doesn't make sense. But we all had to start somewhere. There had to be a day when Dr. Waddell had to have somebody that sat beside him because there had to be a first. There had to be somebody that he was able to work on and to know it was going to be right. And it was probably because he had somebody with him to help him. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, how many times I feel as a pastor, even, I walk alone, learn by myself, and have to try some things for the very first time. How nice it is to have those elders, those deacons, those fellow members who've already had to go through it. So that as we help each other, we become professionals because we practice. Oh, what he meant by that was simply this. In the Christian life, I can actually tell you Many, many of us have never practiced sharing our faith. Many of us have never practiced helping people reconcile to each other. Many of us have never practiced being faithful when we've been tempted to destroy something important. You see, the problem with the church is we don't have very many professionals. Because a lot of people have quit practicing. And they're willing to just live on the basic principles of the church. Well, I tell you what Paul says in conclusion. Not that I have been there and not that I am there. And I probably won't be until the day of perfection. But I press on to the upward call. Of Jesus Christ. Is it time for you to grow up? Is it time for you to move beyond the basic principles and become a professional discipler? To take the things you have learned and put them in the church. Maybe this morning you have to say, Pastor, it's time I press on. I'm ready to be 
like Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are lost without your Holy Spirit. Our strength comes from him. Our courage, our ability, even the know-how and understanding is retained because of him. Our cleansing comes from your son, Jesus Christ. Our conscience able to move forward after failures because he has cleaned us, cleansed us, cured us. And Father, we're able to go forward and face the future because you love us. You chose us. And you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Move us on, Lord. Help us press on to perfection. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all God's children said, have a great Lord's Day.